Uh, tonight, we're going to be in Psalm 119, and this is the portion of Scripture that I am uh, working my way through um, somewhat slowly, just as I get the opportunity to preach. I take the next section of Psalm 119. There's 22 sections, and I believe tonight this is the 13th section of Psalm 119. Um, each section of Psalm 119 has eight verses. Um, every single section has eight verses, and each of these eight verses tie together in, in some way, uh, somehow. They're not just random verses. Uh, when I started studying Psalm 119, I, I kind of did think these sections were just made of, up of random verses that didn't really tie together in any way. But as I studied further, as I even talked with Pastor Reed, um, I was led to realize, and even in my study, really had to work to see how did these verses fit together, and I found that they, they truly do. Each section, uh, these verses tie together, and, and we see um, that each section revolves around the Word of God, but has a specific focus about the Word of God as well. For example, the second section of Psalm 119, which is Psalm 119, 9 through 16, deals with the young person and the Word of God. Psalm 119.33 through 40 shows a spirit of dependence upon the Word of God. Psalm 119.65 through 72 shows God and His Word are good. And our section tonight is no different. The focus is the Word of God, and the specific focus, I would say, is loving God's Word. So our theme for Psalm 119.97 through 104 tonight is, the psalmist declares that he loves God's Word. And then he goes on to show what it means to love it. So that's going to be our theme. That is the focus of this section. And the key verse where we find it, or where we find this is right off the beginning. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I love your law. The psalmist is expressing how deeply he loves the Word of God. And this word love is used how we use it in English. To express something that we care about something. It speaks of something we delight and we desire and something we're passionate about. This word love here um, is filled with great emotion. And, and I'd just even ask you to consider something you love. You'd say that you love in your life. And even we can think of there's, there's a range of things that we love. Some would be greater than others, um, some less. But we could go from um, saying we love our family to loving a spouse to loving a friend, to loving a hobby, to loving a certain type of food, to loving even a vacation spot. And even as we think about the English word love, I think we could maybe agree that sometimes we might use it a little too much. Uh, but it expresses something we really like, we desire above all other things, we enjoy it, and it makes us glad. And that's the idea here when the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. He's expressing that he cares deeply about God's law. He enjoys it. He desires it. He values God's law and he treasures it. God's law is something that he gets great delight and he gets great pleasure uh, from. He loves the Word of God. And my question to you as we begin our study, a question that I'd ask that you think about as we work our way through these verses, is simply, do you love God's Word? Do you love God's Word? And you don't have to think too hard about that right at this moment as the rest of our section goes on to develop 
what does it mean to love God's Word? What does it look like to love God's Word? And, and the psalmist ultimately shows us that uh, through his life. But as we work our way through, as we come to each verse, as we see the example of the psalmist say, do I really love God's Word? So we'll begin number one. And we begin as the psalmist does with the proof of his love for the Word of God. Um, the psalmist begins by giving some evidence that he does truly love the Word of God. Look back with me at Psalm 119.97. It says, Oh, how I love your law. And then he says, It is my meditation all the day. So letter A, the word meditation literally speaks of talking with yourself. And usually if you think about that, Someone who talks to themselves, we might think, is, is a little um, weird, even, even though I think probably all of us do it uh, at times. But it, it speaks literally of talking with yourself. And even further, uh, the idea with this word meditation is thoughtful contemplation. All right, Thoughtful contemplation, it's thinking about the words of Scripture. And I would say meditation isn't just, maybe as we think about meditation, we might think just about reciting verses over and over in our, our minds, and, and that's not a bad thing. But meditation goes one step further, uh, and it's taking portions of Scripture that you might have memorized, or, or you can at least think back uh, to at least some of that, that verse, and it's thinking about them. And, and I put on your handout some questions that you, you might ask about this, this verse, or this passage that you're working through that you could use as you meditate. Um, some of these questions are, what does this verse mean? What would it look like if I live the way this passage teaches? Three, how does this portion of God's Word speak into my current situation? What does this verse teach me about God? And then even you can go even smaller and you can talk about the words and the phrases. With five, what does this word in this verse specifically mean? What does this phrase mean? How is this word or phrase used in other portions of the Bible? So these questions, I, I would encourage you to um, use even some of these questions. As you think about meditating, as you think about thinking about a verse, um, think about what that verse means. In your mind, ask, what does this verse mean? Ask, uh, what is this whole passage trying to teach? How, what would it look like if I lived out this, this um, verse? That's the idea here with this meditation. And see, I, ha I have kind of an illustration for you. Um, spelled the word ringing wrong, but meditation I would liken to wringing out a wet rag. If you think about, if you're trying to get the water out of a rag, it's, it's twisting the rag. You're scrunching up this, this rag to try and get all of the water out. And I think you can agree if you've ever tried it, it often takes multiple times uh, to wring out that, that rag till you finally get all of the water out. And that's what meditation is. It's thinking about a passage, a verse, a word, a, a phrase, and you're, you're wringing it out in your mind to try and get the full meaning of that verse out of it. To understand what it teaches about God, how you're to live, and just like the rag, it might take several tries. It might, it might take several minutes. It might take several hours or days that you're thinking about this verse, you're thinking about its meaning, till finally the meaning comes out. And just to give you a personal example of this, um, often when I'm working on a passage like this to, to teach and to preach, um, I found that, that at times it's after I leave my office, after I'm not really formally studying that passage, that I might be out on a run, 
I might be um, driving, I might even be trying to get my daughter to fall asleep, and I'm thinking about this verse, I'm thinking about what does it mean, um, what does this specific word mean, and it's there that often the, the meaning, the, the thought comes to my mind of what this verse means. So my point is to show that it often takes time of a verse being in your mind, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about the meaning, and the, the actual meaning comes out. Look at D. I want you to notice again what verse 97 says, and it shows us when the psalmist meditates and thinks on the Word of God, and it says, all the day. All the day. So not just in the house of the Lord, okay? not just when he's um, maybe forced to sit under the Word or the teaching of the Word. It's not just when there's nothing better to do, but all throughout his day. He thinks on the Word of God. So we've looked at the second half of verse 97. We started with the first to see the key phrase. And now we look at the second half and we see the psalmist meditates on the Word. And he does it all throughout his day. And now I want to take this verse together. okay? And I want us to look at 97 as a whole. And I want to show, uh, as letter E says, the psalmist is giving proof for his love of the Word. Um, This is how we see this. Okay, the first part says, oh, how I love your law. So he says, I love the law. I love your law. And then he says, it, your law, is my meditation all the day. And I think, just think about something you love. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a good friend. Maybe it's a hobby. Something you care about deeply. If you really love it, doesn't it consume your mind? You think about that thing. Take a hobby you love. You think about doing it. You think about getting better at it. You think about when the next time is that you actually get to do it. You think about others who do that hobby. Take someone you love. You think about spending time with them. You think about what they look like, what their qualities um, are. You think about memories you've made with them. And my point is to show that often the things we love They take a place in our mind, or they take up a place in our mind. We think about them. And so too here the psalmist shows he gives proof that he loves God's word as it's something that consumes his mind. He presents evidence here in this second half of verse 97 uh, for his love of the word of God by saying he meditates on it. It's on his mind. So the application for us, letter F, is I'd simply ask you to consider, is the word of God on your mind? Is the Word of God on your mind? And we see the one who loves God's Word. He values it. He treasures it. He thinks about it. Just like anything else that we'd say that we love. If someone could look at your thoughts, all right, so just us and God know our thoughts, but if someone else could look at your thoughts, would they say that you love God's Word by the way God's Word occupies your mind? And I'd just encourage you to take some time to just really evaluate your thought life. Is God's Word on your mind just like other things you love? Is the Word of God something you think on? Is the Word of God something that you ponder, you contemplate? And and even further, is it something you contemplate all throughout your day? So not just maybe in the morning when you're doing your devotions, but all throughout the day as you're at work, as you're um, at home, as you're with your family, as you're even doing a hobby, is the Word of God on your mind? And if it isn't, I'd encourage you to start thinking about it. Think about maybe a passage that you read in your devotions in the morning. Think about a passage that was preached on Sunday. 
Maybe take a verse at the start of a day. Just pick one verse. Maybe you pick a verse from Psalm 119 or another verse and, and you um, set out to think about it throughout the day. Ask the questions that I've given you on this handout. Uh, but we're challenged here to consider is the Word of God on our minds. So we see the psalmist loves God's Word and we get proof of it. Okay? It's clear this guy loves the Word of God because it's on his mind. Second, we get the outcome of his love for the Word of God. Look with me at Psalm 119, 98 through 100. It says, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I have kept your precepts. Letter A, in the, these three verses, we find they are all trying to get the same thing across, and that's to show the psalmist has gained godly wisdom from God's Word. And I want to show you three similarities that I think bring this out. So if you just look over these three verses, 98 through 100, they're similar. Okay, And I want to bring out three similarities. The first similarity is in the words that are used. Look again at Psalm 119, 98. I have there, it says, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. That word wiser means that you uh, decide between good and evil. All right. Uh, next verse, verse 99 says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. That word understanding speaks of an insight that you have. And then verse 100 says, I understand more than the age. This word understand speaks of an ability uh, to discern. The second similarity is how the Word of God is mentioned. Okay, this shows us that the psalmist is not just talking about wisdom in general or understanding in general, but he's talking about a godly wisdom. Psalm 119.98, if you look there, it says, Your commandment, so he's speaking about the Word of God, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. So he's speaking about God's Word, and he's saying God's Word gives him wisdom, and further, he speaks of how the Word brings this about. As you see in the second half of this verse, it says, For it is ever with me. I don't believe here that he's saying that he literally carries a copy of the Scriptures around with him in his back pocket, but rather I believe he's saying the Word of God is instilled in him. Similar to what we just saw with this word meditation, uh, and we'll see in the next verse, he's saying that God's Word is something that encompasses his thoughts. It's in his mind. It's a part of him. He knows God's word. He has it memorized. Uh, and it's become a part of him so much that he can say it's with him forever. And this is what has brought about this wisdom. Look at Psalm 119.99. He shows the wisdom has come from the word. It says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. So yet again, the thing that brings understanding is meditating on the Word of God. And a similar thought to verse 98 and 97 is this thoughtful contemplation, this wringing out of a text, this meditation to get an understanding from the Scriptures. The psalmist attests to this, saying that it was meditating on the Word of God that brought this understanding, that brought this wisdom. And then lastly, verse 100, we get this connection between wisdom and the Word of God. It says, I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. So there's the Word of God. Once again, this godly wisdom comes from the Word of God. Bring out the third similarity that we have here, and it's how the psalmist makes a comparison. 
And this is, honestly, as you read these verses, this is probably what you notice from the start. The comparison that he makes between him and several groups of people. Between his enemies, his teachers, and the aged. And as we study these verses, I don't believe um, the psalmist is just some young, naive, uh, and he's mistakenly thinking he's smarter than those who are older or the more trained than him, but I believe rather he's trying to get across the value of the Word of God and how it's provided him with more of something than even those who are respected in the world's eyes, uh, what they have. And we see this probably the most clearly from the first group, and he compares himself to his persecutors. Look again with me at Psalm 119.98. He says, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Okay, and this, is, this might be the group that we can most easily see this, this contrast, this difference. But at the same time, this would have been a group, his enemies, who, as we think about it, in the world's eyes, might have been the most respected or the, the most looked up to. As in Psalm 119, the psalmist has said a lot about his enemies. And without looking at all these verses, I just want to sum up some of the ideas that he's brought out about his enemies. He said that his enemies... Um, He's described them as people that are bold, people who are self-confident, people that are arrogant, uh, who were out for his destruction. They were probably people that really carried themselves confidently. People probably looked up to them and were intimidated by them. The psalmist takes this group that the world would respect and says the word of God has made me wiser than them. The world hearing a comment like this, so someone just hearing the psalmist, make this comparison, um, would be astounding. Just looking at the psalmist from what we've seen in Psalm 119, he doesn't seem like the most strong guy or even the most respectable guy in the world's eyes. He's been distraught. He's been persecuted. He's been at rock bottom. For us, as we study this, we realize he's talking about a whole different wisdom than the world understands. A wisdom that doesn't prey on fear or the weak or tries that confident and bold, but a wisdom that seeks to follow God in his word and how he's laid out for us. That's what the psalmist is talking about, and that's how and we can uh, look at the psalmist uh, as this. So the psalmist first says he's wiser than his enemies, to show he's gained godly wisdom from the word. The second group he compares himself to are his instructors. If you look with me at Psalm 119.99, it says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, than all my teachers. Teachers are those who know a subject well, who have mastered a subject enough to, to be able to teach it, to be able to communicate these things to other people. They would be those you, you really look to for knowledge and understanding, those who we'd say um, are intelligent, they're smart. It seems that the psalmist is speaking here of teachers in general, okay? Rather than saying, um, a teacher of the Word of God. It seems like he's just talking about teachers in general rather than him saying he has more understanding than his Bible teachers. Um, and he's saying he has more insight than even those who are looked at by people to be taught to show the wisdom he has gained from the Word of God. And then the last group, three, is those who have experience. If you look again at Psalm 119.100, it says, I understand more than the aged. The aged. Okay, and I think 
Many of you know this. There's a knowledge and there's an understanding that just comes with living for a while. You've experienced things that those who are younger haven't experienced yet. You've learned things that those who are younger just haven't learned yet. Um, just from life, just even from what you've learned, even formally. Uh, we can think about this even for jobs. Often jobs are looking for someone that has experience, who have experienced something um, in that field before, someone who's dealt with the issues, the problems of that job. Experience is respected, okay? And the psalmist is saying that he is more discernment than even those who are older and have lived longer than him because of the word of God. So the idea here is that the psalmist is trying to say he has gained wisdom, he's gained understanding, he's gained insight and discernment, on living a life that is pleasing and honoring from the Word of God. We see here the outcome of loving God's Word. If you love God's Word, this is the outcome, this godly wisdom. So the application for us, I have two points of application. We see quite clearly that God's Word provides something that the world does not. Okay? Something that even those who are the most respected, or qualified do not have, and that is godly wisdom, to know right from wrong, to know how God desires for us to live. We see that comparison between what the world might value and what God values. And the second point of application is how the psalmist gained this godly wisdom, and it's from the Word. It's from being a student of the Word of God. He's put it in his mind, he's contemplated it, and he's even trained under it as he sought to obey it. So we've seen the proof from our first point, from the first verse, and now from the next three verses we see the outcome of a love for the Word of God. And we see that's having more wisdom, godly wisdom, than those who are respected, than academics, and even those who have lived many, many years. He's more equipped in that he knows the Word of God. Now we come to our third point the full picture of his love for the Word of God. And this comes from the next two verses, Psalm 119, 101, and 102. So looking at the first half of this section, the verses we've covered so far, uh, it could be easy to think that loving God's Word means knowing Scripture. It means thinking on Scripture, understanding Scripture. It could be easy to look at these three verses and think that um, it's something that only has to do with biblical knowledge. It's something that you uh, could have so that you could win a Bible trivia contest. But we saw this in verse 100, and now these next two verses bring kind of a different dynamic uh, and move us to get a fuller picture of what it looks like to love the Word of God, that true meditation, true wisdom in the Scriptures means that you do something further with it. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just something that you know up in your mind. But the point of meditating on the Word of God in verse 97, the point of having this godly wisdom in verses 98 and 100, is not just to know more and more and more about God's Word. It's not just so we can answer questions about the Bible. It's not so that we can flaunt around our Bible knowledge. But we find in these next two verses, it's so that we can live a godly life. I have there, a love for God's Word means that we have a desire to, and seek to obey his word. That's what I mean by this full picture. And we see this um, come to fruition in these next two verses. So loving the word of God ultimately leads to desiring and seeking to obey it. We see that in these next two verses. So we'll move to letter A, and we'll consider first verse 101. 
we have his desire and seeking to obey God's word cause him not to sin. If you look with me at Psalm 119, 101, it says, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. So here the psalmist, he presents a picture uh, in this verse. He presents a picture of a, of a path of him walking and he's holding his feet back from a certain path. He says, I hold back my feet from every evil way. He's talking about being on a way, being on a path where he might stray, where he might walk into danger, and, and he stops. He holds his feet back from, from uh, walking into that path. He says, I hold back my feet from evil, every evil way. And I want to kind of dissect this first line uh, and really this whole verse for us. So we'll start with number one, thinking about the words, I hold back my feet. I hold back my feet. What's he saying here? He has to actively hold himself back, keep himself. He needs to choose not to do something. Just as if you would be walking on some trails. If you've ever gone on a hike um, or been in the woods, maybe you see a, a patch of poison ivy and you decide to go out around it. You decide to take a different path or stay clear of that poison ivy. That's what he's doing here. He's holding himself back from that, that path that would be dangerous. He's actively choosing to do so. But even further here, the reality has shown that sin presents itself in some way. Shape, in some way, shape, or form, as the end, it says, evil way. I hold back my feet from every evil way. So there's a chance here for him to be tempted, to fall into sin. So the application for us is we should learn from the psalmist here to hold back our feet from sin when it presents itself. Either if we're tempted to do something or someone tempts us, we should be challenged to not go down that path, to actively choose not to sin. That's the picture we get here. And I want you to notice that the psalmist doesn't say he meanders down the path a little while to see what's up, and then he turns back and he runs away. He doesn't go down that path. That's what he's saying. He holds back his feet from the evil way. And we should be challenged not to dabble with things or people that could lead you or want to lead you into sin. And I like how Matthew Henry puts it. I have that quote there from Matthew Henry's commentary. He says, Though it was a broad way, a green way, a pleasant way, and a way that many walked in, yet, being a sinful way, it was an evil way. And he refrained his feet from it, foreseeing the end of that way. So it might be attractive. We might want to go down that path, but we're given the picture here that the psalmist stops. and He does not go down that path. I want to look at the phrase, every evil way, and I want you to think about just the fact that he doesn't say some evil ways, but he says every evil way. So the application for us is don't we often hold our feet back from some evil ways? Keeping our feet back from what we might look at as big sins, but willing to go down the little, the little lie, the path of the word of gossip that maybe is disguised as concern or a prayer request or just catching up, or we're willing to go down the path of complaining and grumbling or the path, the path of, a, of the lustful thought or look. For each person, it's different. Maybe those examples don't strike you as tempting, but the idea here is that he's saying every evil way. Not just some, but every evil way. And that's what we're to be striving for too. And I 
would encourage you to just think about and evaluate your life. What path are you not holding your feet back from? We get the purpose then. Three, we get the purpose that is given uh, as to why the psalmist does not sin. Look again with me at Psalm 119.101. It says, I hold back my feet from every evil way. And then here's the purpose. He gives the reason. In order to keep your word. In, e- in order to keep your word. He seeks not to sin and it's because he's trying to keep God's word, which as you think about it, it might seem obvious. Okay, he's trying to be obedient to the word of God. I, I could have expected that. But think about some other purposes he could have given. One being just to look good. He obeys. He holds back his feet from sin just to look good, to put on an act, to not do anything bad, to be a rule follower so that people say, wow, he's so well behaved. Or another purpose he could have given is just so that he wouldn't be negatively impacted. If we're real with ourselves, sin has consequences and sometimes real bad consequences. So that's even a reason to hold himself back, which wouldn't, isn't uh, the first one, to look good is not um, a good reason. The second one isn't the worst thing and even should be a motivator not to sin. But his reason that he gives should be our main motivator. And that is to follow God, to be ob- obedient to God and his word. The psalmist's purpose is to follow God and his word. So the application for us is to consider if we follow the word of God, if we are obedient to God's word, Why do you do it? Are you doing it to please people? Are you doing it so that you don't meet the consequences of sin? Or is your main goal and your main purpose because God has commanded it and sees it as the best way for us to live? We'll go to B. And the second way this he shows this desire and this seeking to obey uh, God's word is we see his desire in seeking to obey God's word comes from God teaching him. Psalm 119, 102 says, I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. For you have taught me. The first line reiterates what we just saw in in verse 101. He's obeying the word of God, but now we get something additional, and he speaks of how he can do this as he says, for you have taught me. And the psalmist is ultimately talking to God in Psalm 119. So he's saying, you, God, have taught me. You've given me knowledge from your word. How exactly the psalmist has been taught by God, we're not given. But it could have been that God has worked in his heart and his mind and just given him the understanding. Even further, it could have just been from the fact that the psalmist is is reading God's word and God speaks from his word. It's, It's his word, so he's learning from his word. And even it could have been from a human teacher communicating and explaining God's word. But the point to see here, though, is that God's teaching him leads not to him being smarter or even being the most wise, but it leads him to obey his word. As he says in the first line of verse 102, I do not turn aside from your rules. So the application for us, and give it in the way of having you consider some questions to evaluate your life. When God teaches you, are you led to obey? Even more specific, when you read your Bible in the morning or whenever you read your Bible, do you walk away seeking to obey God more? Three, when you sit under the teaching and the preaching of God's Word, 
as you're doing here today, do you walk away from that message seeking to follow God's word in your life? And then four, when God opens your eyes to a certain truth found in his word, are you led to keep his word more? So what do you do with his word that you read, that you study, that you hear taught? We should follow the psalmist's example and actually live it out. Do something with it and obey it is the example he gives. We'll move to the last two verses of our section uh, this evening. Number four, we get a summary of the section and additional points on what it looks like to love God's word. So we see how the psalmist closes this section. Look with me at Psalm 119, 103, and 104. It says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So first I want to, see, I want to show how these verses summarize this section. We see in verse 103, that relates to verse 97. How our psalm started, or how our section of Psalm 119 started. Verse 97 began by speaking of the psalmist's love, and now he, he says that he finds the word sweet in 103, which this word sweet speaks of being smooth, that it goes in his mouth, down his throat smoothly. It's uh, easily, it easily goes down his throat. And even further, this word sweet, as it's compared to honey, shows that he sees the word as something that's delightful, enjoyable. So there's a comparison here that uh, he's talking about the same thing. He's talking about his love, and then now he says that it's sweet. Same things being said here. Then in the first part of verse 104, he speaks of an understanding and wisdom he gets from the word of God. And we already saw that in verses 98 and 100, or through 100. And then the second phrase of 104 connects to this last part we just looked at, a desire in seeking to obey God's word. And now here at the end of 104, he says that he hates it. So we have kind of some of the same things being brought up here in these last two verses. So they summarize the section, but at the same time, I want to draw out for us two, um, I think, pretty challenging points or additional um, ways that we can understand these verses. So B, additional points these last two verses give us. And the first one is that the psalmist gives us an additional way to think about loving God's word. If you look again at Psalm 119, 103, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So remember, this section is all about God's loving God's word. So this is fitting back, or this is going back to, as I said already, to the beginning when he said he loved his word. And he doesn't say the same thing, but he, he uses the word sweet, which I already said speaks of being smooth. It speaks of uh, being pleasant, delightful. He compares the word to honey. So he's some, to something that he eats, to something that he enjoys greatly. So the application for us, and where I want to draw out this point further, is honey is obviously something that the psalmist enjoyed. It was something sweet, something that was pleasant to his taste buds. Maybe you're not a honey fan. I know not everyone likes honey. So think about maybe something else that you find pleasant, that's um, something that you really enjoy eating. And I'd ask you this. Would you say you get more pleasure and delight from the Word of God than from eating that thing? Do you crave the Word of God like you do maybe chocolate cake with peanut butter icing? 
Does your mouth water when you approach the Word of God like it does when you are about to bite into a juicy piece of watermelon? Or is your experience with the Word of God like eating green beans or broccoli or some other veggie that you're not a fan of? You know it's good, so you'll, you'll get it down, but you definitely don't enjoy it. Or is your experience with the Word of God like eating the food on your plate at a guest house? You really aren't a fan of it, but you know the polite thing, the respectful thing, is to eat it. Our experience with the Word of God, reading it, studying it, hearing it talk, can be like green beans, or it can be like the food at the guest house. But it doesn't need to be that way, and it really shouldn't be that way. The psalmist gives us a picture of finding the word delightful, loving the Word of God, and if you're struggling to look at it this way, if you're struggling to find it sweet, to crave it like you do a, a type of food that you really enjoy, give you a few very practical ways of working towards looking at the Word of God this way. And the first way is pray. Just pray that God would cause you to fall in love with His Word, that He would help you to see it um, or find it sweeter than honey. Second, continue to be in the Word. So, even if you're struggling to be in it, you're struggling to read it, you're struggling to find it this sweet, continue to be in the Word of God and don't just mindlessly read it, but remember, these are God's words and pay attention to them. And then the third way, I'd say as you desire to love the Word and find it sweeter than honey, consider what the Word gives. Think about the result. Think about what you can get out of the Word of God. What can be gained from the Word of God? As we already saw, it gives us a wisdom. It, it allows us to be able to choose between right and wrong, to see what God has for us. So we see the psalmist explains this love for the Word of God with a comparison involving food. And then we get an, another additional point that comes from verse 104. If you look with me at 2, the one who loves the Word hates the way contrary to the word. If you look with me at Psalm 119, 104, it says this, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. So verse 101, we saw the psalmist actively choosing not to go down the evil path. He resisted temptation. He didn't go along with the crowd, but he chose the path of obedience. But here we get something on top of this. The psalmist says he hates every false way, meaning that he despises it. Now he doesn't only resist sin or seek not to do it, but he hates it. He despises it. He's appalled by it. It's gross to him. So this is a different um, way of handling sin. This is a different mindset towards sin. You can resist sin, but you still have that desire for it. The pool, the allurement can still be there within you and you fight against it. But now he says, I hate it. I want nothing to do with it. He sees sin as atrocious. And in saying this, I don't think we're supposed to believe that the psalmist all of a sudden doesn't have a fight or doesn't uh, have a temptation towards sin, but his mindset has changed. Notice where this hatred comes from. Verse 4 again says, Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, so going back to that understanding, I hate every false way. As a result of his understanding for the word of God, he has been led to hate it, 
to hate anything contrary to it. Which brings us back to a similar point I made earlier that having wisdom, having understanding, shouldn't just be knowledge in our head, but it should cause us to obey God's word. And now we see even further to literally hate anything that goes against God's word. So a love for God's word has led the psalmist to hate anything contrary to it. So the psalmist began with his love, and now he ends with his hate. The psalmist began with his love for the word of God in verse 97, and now he ends with hate in verse 104, the opposite, a hate for any way of living that goes against God's word. So the application for us, my question to you, is do you hate sin? Do you hate anything that would cause you to go against the Word of God. We see this as part of loving the Word of God. So I began by having us consider the question, do you love God's Word? And I said that the psalmist is going to give us an example. We're going to work through these verses to show what it looks like to have a love for the Word of God. And we see for the one who truly loves the Word of God, it's something that's on your mind. You're thinking about it. Secondly, we see that it's something that they are reading and studying, and training to get godly wisdom, to know right from wrong, to know what God sees as pleasing and honoring way to live our lives. And then third, for the one that truly loves the Word of God, they obey it. And even further, they hate it. They despise the opposite way of living. So we'll close with this. Can you say then that you love God's Word? And reflecting further, what needs to change based off of this section of Psalm 119, if not? Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for allowing us to sit under your word this evening and, and even this morning in the morning worship service. And God, I just thank you that you have given us your word. These are your very words that we have in the Bible. And Lord, we just thank you for the way that they communicate uh, to us uh, how you would have for us to live our lives, uh, the difference between right and wrong and, and how we should live. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us a love for your word. Even as we looked at, I pray that you would help us to, to find your word even sweeter than honey, sweeter than um, the thing that we enjoy eating the most, that we would crave it, that our mouth would water, that we would desire to be in your word, reading it, studying it, obeying it just as much and even more than that thing that we desire. God, I pray that you would give us this love, uh, give us this valuing and treasuring of your word, and uh, Lord, I just pray that we, our lives would reflect then someone who truly loves your word, that we would be obedient to it, uh, give us the strength to do so, and uh, Lord, we just thank you for this portion of scripture and the ways that it challenges us. And in your name I pray, amen.